Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome to Overnight America. It's a Thursday, which means it's also the last show of the week. Woo! Always a little exciting when that happens. And there's a lot that's still going on. And I was watching, at least going back and forth, between the two town hall debates. And if I can sum up the two town hall debates, it would be... Boring! That's it. One word. (laughs) This is so stupid and ridiculous that President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden could be on separate networks, talking to separate audiences asking similar questions, but the debate commission, oh, we can't put them together. It's too difficult. So they'll just go and do their own thing. Give me a break. They could have easily put these two together in the same room. So stupid and ridiculous. But I tried to watch some of it, uh, and I got a couple of clips. Maybe we can do that here. But let me just kind of give you a rundown of what the show is going to look like tonight. From our sister station, 97.1, Dave Glover is going to join us for an interview in about 25 minutes from now. And Dave Glover is celebrating 20 years in the radio industry, 20 years at K at uh, 97.1. I almost said KMOX. But, yeah, the 97.1 KFTK, they launched as a talk station 20 years ago. I think tomorrow is the anniversary date. And he was there on day one. He was their local guy. So why did they pick someone with no experience? Well, he'll, he'll tell the story. But he's lasted, and he's made a name for himself. And he's actually one of, the, one of the biggest listened to radio personalities in the market. Well-known, popular. So I wanted to talk to him about 20 years of what it means to be in radio in St. Louis. And that's a conversation we'll have in about 25 minutes. And next hour at 9 o'clock, if you're listening to this on the podcast, of course, you can always get it there. Or if you the replay, you can just hop over to the podcast. But Tom Sullivan's going to join us. County Council taking a lot of public input. There's some question of how they've solicited that public input and how much public input they need. Tom Sullivan will break this down, and he'll give us really the the things we need to know about this. And then a little bit later, too, at a little after 9.30, we're going to talk to Dr. Gerald. He's an author, a political analyst, and an expert when it comes to forecasting models. He's called the Notre Dame of political elections. So he's got some predictions for 2020. And if anything, he'll be able to look at the polls and what he believes and what he doesn't believe with the polls. Because we had some questions about that. Should we just discount the polls based on 2016? Or what's what's the things that we should be looking at? What are the real indicators and what do those indicators say? Also, uh, a little after 10 o'clock, Dan Valone's going to join us, U.S. Director of More in Common. It's an organization that tries to put some civility back into political discussions. You don't see that too often. So looking forward to talking to him, the U.S. Director of More in Common, and a lot of other things we're going to get to on the show tonight. All right, so where do we even start with all of this? Where, where do we begin with the town hall meetings? It started at about 7 o'clock Central Time. You have Donald Trump in Miami and Joe Biden in Philadelphia. And if I double-check this real quick, yeah, um, Donald Trump's town hall only lasted about an hour, seven to eight. I think Joe Biden just wrapped up his, either that or he's going into commercial, because I just had it on here a second ago. Uh, let's let's find out, because I'll kind of keep an eye. But they 
didn't really spend a lot of time on all of this. They should have just had the two candidates in the same room together. It's just so ridiculous. But what's even more ridiculous, if you think about it, is there were all of these Hollywood stars. I don't know if you noticed, but 100 Hollywood stars came out and said, how dare you, NBC? How dare you have Donald Trump in a town hall on your network? They were very upset. So they spoke out against NBC Universal. Um, they spoke out against the idea of having the president there. Let's see, some of those people, J.J. Abrams, Aaron Sorkin, several cast members of This Is Us. Uh, I wonder if Sterling K. Brown was on that list. They said, uh, we have always thought of NBC Universal as both a terrific creative home and a brand that stands for the best in entertainment and broadcast journalism. This is why we have been devastated to learn that you have chosen to air President Trump's town hall this Thursday at 8 o'clock. <laughs> this is so dumb. So is it enough where a bunch of celebrities could say you're not allowed to use this as an opportunity to have a town hall and talk to the president of the United States? How bad is it, by the way, that we're at a point where we can't even we can't even listen to each other? This will be a good thing to discuss later today with Dan Valone with uh, more in common. How bad is it? Does anyone listen to the celebrities when they say, don't you dare listen to that Donald Trump? <laughs> Does anyone listen? Oh, yes, because you can play a role on television. I am going to not listen anymore. Thank you. It's funny because for the longest time, it's like a lot of the times the Democrats will say, you get your marching orders from Rush Limbaugh. You know, they'll say that about conservative talk show host you get your marching orders from donald trump you get your marching orders and they you know they sean hannity or fill in whoever the popular person is at that time but then you turn around and look at it and here's a hundred hollywood actors that are trying to put their marching orders out there to dictate nbc from having their own town hall with the president of the united states during an election season isn't that something i mean it's it's not even it's not even hidden. It's out there in the open for them to see that. It's just ridiculous. So I'm going to play a couple of clips from the town halls. Not that it's a huge deal because I, I already summed up the town halls for you. Boring. That was it. And if you needed any more, we're going to do that. But still, uh, we're going to talk to Dave Glover in about you know, 15, 20 minutes from now. I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Overnight America is live up until midnight and then the replay hours afterwards if you want to. Maybe you're listening to this on a replay hour. Just go get the podcast. It's an easy place for you to connect with the show on Facebook to Ryan Recker Radio. In our interview with Dave Glover, celebrating 20 years on our sister station, 97.1, we'll talk some radio with him. Those are always fun. And, you know, also I want to thank everyone that sent me a note about the Ann Keefe radio documentary. It's now posted online. You can get a link to it. I posted it on my Facebook page, Ryan Recker Radio. And I'm working with the tech team to find an easier way to put it up on the website because it's something strange. You can click the podcast button and you can go to Overnight America. But the way we put these podcasts is that it's on a separate playlist and the playlist doesn't show up on the website. So it's a mess. I, I messaged the tech people and I said, can we get the playlist on there so people can go straight to the documentaries? And they got to go to corporate and it's like this whole big deal. So hopefully it's on there soon. Easiest way for you to get it right now is to go to Ryan Record Radio on Facebook. So I wanted to play a couple of clips from the town hall tonight. And I got a couple from Donald Trump. I got a couple from Joe Biden. 
Joe Biden. So here is apparently Joe Biden is still doing his town hall right now. I guess they scheduled a couple hours with him and only an hour with Donald Trump. And he's answering questions now. I, I guess we could duck in, but I'm probably not going to. I think if more or less, I didn't want to spend a ton of time on this town hall because it would have been a lot better if they were in the same room. Otherwise, this is what the reaction has been so far. Boring. Yeah. I think they pretty much nail it there. All right. This is one part I found interesting when it came to the talk about the vaccine. So there was a question to Joe Biden. Uh, would you take the vaccine and should you mandate that everyone takes this COVID vaccine when it comes out? So he kind of danced around it and he said, well, if they, uh, if the scientists say it's safe and uh, every, you know, top scientist and I'll follow it and I'll, I'll take it. But then he danced around the idea of a mandatory vaccine. So George Stephanopoulos, who is with ABC, who's hosting this town hall, asked him about it again. He said, what do you mean? Um, let's 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 double check when it comes to this mandating idea, because he didn't say no. But here's how he answered it. I want you to listen to this. Once we get it, if it's safe, it's if it's effective, will you mandate its use? The answer is depending on how clear. OK, so <laughs> normally this is a pretty easy type of question right you say either yes or no you say no i don't think it's in our purview to mandate it as in we're not going to go around door to door like it's the census and we're going to say line up your kids and we're going to poke them with this needle right we're going to round up everyone and make sure they get vaccine so it'd be easy to say no mandate meaning it you're not legally mandated and we can't force you to take this right that should be a pretty reasonable thing. So listen to how he answers it. See if he says that or not. The answer is depending on how clear there's vaccines, they say, have a very positive impact and they're going to affect positively 85 percent of the American public. Or there's others say this vaccine is really the key. This is this is the, this is the golden key. It depends on the state of the nature of the vaccine, when it comes out, and how it's being distributed. That would depend on, but I would think that we should be talking about... So let me point out, he hasn't answered the question yet, so if since he hasn't answered the question, it means, yes, he would want to mandate this, all right? But uh, keep listening. Let's just see, okay, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's taken the long road in order to get to the uh, end of this one. We should be talking about depending on the continuation of the spread of the virus, we should be thinking about making it mandatory. How could you enforce that? Well, you couldn't. Okay, so as George Stephanopoulos figured out, yes, he would want to mandate the vaccine. So then he says, how would you even enforce it? So he goes straight to the, okay, since you're not answering this, then we're going to guess that you would be in favor of mandating this thing. So how would you even enforce it? They go go on and, and move it from there. Let me just point out real quick, when it comes to the enforcements of vaccines and the mandating of anything, you want to talk about overreaching your government control. That's the way to do it. And then they go on and talk about masks. Okay, should there be a mandate that you are forced to wear a mask anytime you're outside your home? Or should there be a mandate that you, they should force you to wear a mask anytime you're inside your home or whatever it is. Like, What's the government's role when it comes to COVID? 
And you could debate this in many different ways and say, this is what the government should do. Is it more of a support? Is it more of a rushing through and trying to get the medicines and the uh, the money and trying to get the hospitals and trying to keep it down and trying to inform people? Is, is that the best role? Is it to make it as safe as possible? Or is the role of the government, we're going to force you to do what we want at this given time? Because what's the track record so far of COVID? Do we know exactly the exact same thing and we have stuck with the exact same thing from back in January, February, March? Or how about even if we go to June or September? The thing with this COVID is that we're learning things all the time. It seems like every other week there's something new we learn about it. Imagine mandating something that would have no effect or very little effect based on what we know now. But back then it made sense. Okay, so there's a lot of things we need to take into consideration. We're rapidly developing not only techniques, but medicines, vaccines to try to combat this thing, not only from the individual level, but from the mass crowd level. And we're always finding out new things in the way this spreads, how it doesn't spread, what's helpful, what's not. And to think that if Joe Biden was in power at the very start of this thing, that he would have done all of these things that would have made no difference. How worse would the economy have been, number one? How much longer would we have been locked down? And would we look like these states who have not lifted the lockdowns? Like, let's take California, for example. They have dragged their feet, and they have continued to prosecute not only uh, people of faith because of their religious beliefs and wanting to get together, but then ignoring things like uh, protest and or, hey, let's go celebrate a basketball team. Who cares about that sort of thing, right? But when it comes to people of faith, oh, no, we're going to find you or uh, discourage you from being able to get together even if it is safe or not. So are we going to go to the California route? Well, let's look what's happening in California. Mass exodus. People don't want to live under those restrictions. They're looking around and they're saying, man, I pay all these taxes. We pay more taxes than anyone else around us. Man, you know, these, these some of these brackets, what, 50% of our income? Are you kidding me? What do I get for it? Even the liberals are looking at this and saying, what am I getting for all of this? What, I'm paying all this extra, and it already the cost of living is super high, higher than all these other states I could be living in right now. What do I get for it? I get nothing, nothing. So why are these businesses leaving California? That's because one of the reasons, the overregulation of things. Joe Biden wants to do that for the entire country. So let that be a warning. (laughs) Here's one. Okay, let me hop over to NBC. This is Donald Trump taking a question on QAnon. So QAnon is a... I don't know the best way to describe them. QAnon is like this, hmm, it's an anonymous group of people who they're into conspiracy theories. They they like to think of themselves as like vigilantes, kind of. I mean, they, they like to try to even the playing field. If they see things that they don't like, they try to like, you know, they dox people and, you know, they do some pretty bad things. They do some good things, too. I mean, like QAnon's one of the very first groups. If there's someone that's wanted for doing something extremely terrible, man, they're like crack investigators and they'll go out there and find these type of people like, you know, Donald Trump will bring up one of the examples in this, but they ask him about QAnon and if he is you know, into the conspiracy theories and things like that. Look at the difference of questions, by the way. This is the type of stuff they ask Donald Trump and look at how he answers it and how they try to mislead his answer 
right during this town hall. Republican Senator Ben Sass said, quote, QAnon is nuts and real leaders call conspiracy theories conspiracy theories. Why not just say it's crazy and not true? He may be right. I just don't know about QAnon. You do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. Let me ask you another thing. Let's waste the whole show. Uh, You start off with white supremacy. I denounce it. You start off with something else. Let's go. Keep asking me these questions. I do have He's so frustrated. He's like, it doesn't matter how many times I denounce these things. You're just going to keep bringing it up as if I haven't. So he's frustrating. He's like, you know what? If you want to go down this route, let's do the full hour. If you want to waste my time with this. He's so, so frustrated. All right. Let's see how he answers it. Asking me these questions. I do have one more. Let me just tell you what I do hear about it is they are very strongly against pedophilia. And I agree with that. I mean, I do agree with that. And I agree. But there's not a satanic pedophile. No idea. I know nothing about that. You don't know that? Okay. No, I don't know. You that. just and neither, this week. And neither do you know that. Okay, just this week. Why, you why are you asking me about Antifa? Why aren't you asking me you about just, the radical you, left? You're why are you asking Joe Biden questions about why doesn't he condemn Antifa? Why does he say it doesn't exist? Because you're Antifa, here to Antifa, no, me. Geez, <laughs> so cute. Antifa <laughs> exists. They're vicious, they're violent, they kill people, and they're burning down our cities. And they happen to be radical left. All right, so he's. I think he makes it pretty clear. I don't know about this organization. The fact that you want me to try to uh, talk about and discuss their ideas is ridiculous. That's that's all. That's all he was saying. He's like, you want to go full hour where you're trying to put words in my mouth and you're trying to associate me with something I don't know anything about. (laughs) Then he goes on to mention um, child predators. Now, QAnon is very popular for this. If there's an unsolved mystery where a child was hurt, they are on the case. They That's the type of Internet vigilanteism that you can look at and say, all right, well, uh, if the FBI is having a hard time cracking a case, get a bunch of QAnon people on the Internet. But then they also do things that uh, are not too flattering. I don't know much about them, honestly. All I know about them is that they have this Internet folklore. So they're like known through the Internet realms as being powerful, but then people say they're really not powerful. They're just a bunch of like, you know, regular Joes that just have way too much time on their hands. But I don't know. I have no idea about it either. And that's the thing. You know, if people wanted to try to associate you with something and the person says, I don't know anything about them, you know, all of a sudden they're forcing the hand to try to make you comment on these things. But if you want to talk about conspiracy theories, do you think they ever bring these things up to Joe Biden? They don't they don't bother. They don't bother. They they don't trouble with him. And it's just a double standard, I guess. I, I feel like they have painted this picture of Donald Trump and that they keep trying to complete the picture. And then when he comes into it to correct the record and it doesn't align up with the picture they already had of him, that they find a very difficult time backtracking of what they've already constructed in their own minds. And that's, I think, more or less the problem with the media at this point. Uh, Do we got time for another clip? Uh, Okay, yeah, we got time for one more clip. How about this one? Uh, Donald Trump on the stimulus. Nancy Pelosi, we are ready to sign and pass stimulus, but she's got to People do not love the back and forth of Washington, but this has been a roller coaster. 
back in early October, you one day tweeted, no more negotiations until election until after election day. I'm walking away. Then I think the next couple of days you said maybe we can do something targeted. Then you said I want a big, big bill. But then Senate Republicans said, no, we're not for that. So you are the big deal maker. How come this is so you yourself have changed positions? Did you ever hear of word called negotiation? We're negotiating. Okay. But people are negotiating lives are hanging in the balance. And you know who I'm negotiating against? Nancy Pelosi, because she doesn't want to give the money. We should have stimulus. This was not our people's fault. This was China's fault. And she's penalizing our people. I'm ready to sign a big, beautiful stimulus. You saw the other day, I say, go big or go home, right? That's what I I wanted to be big. I wanted to be bold. I want the money to go to directly to the people. Are Senate Republicans with you? They're going to go big? They'll go. Big old number? They'll go. go. Now, and this is, again, I, I, I wish... I had the opportunity to answer the question because I follow this stuff around and I think Donald Trump, when he hears these questions at times, he, he, in his mind, thinks about it in a way that they're not intending the question. So when he hears this sort of thing, he thinks it's in the context of what he said, but he needs to think about it in the context of what they're trying to say because they don't care what he said or what he means. All they care about is what is the notion that we're trying to project onto you, the president of the United States. So when they talk about the tweets and things and trying to get through the stimulus or whatever and go big or go home, it's very clear because he said this a million times already. He's talking about the individual portion of this and trying to get money out for a second uh, wave of checks. You know, before they had the $1,200 individual, $500 per kid that's listed as a dependent. He was talking about go big Go big and send these things out immediately. That's what he's always said when it comes to the stimulus. And even when he got frustrated because, you know, Pelosi wants to tack on a couple extra trillion dollars onto the stimulus package. And he says, we're not doing that. Then we're walking away. Then he comes back the next day and says, how about you just pass the individual portion of it? I want people to get checks and I want them to get big checks. And that's that's what his consistent message has been on this. Instead, when NBC brings it up, they're bringing it up under a different context. Their context is um, they want it to be a big stimulus package, meaning, you know, the three plus trillion dollars that the Democrats are trying to propose. But in Donald Trump's mind, he's the context is what he said. And then he wants to bring up what he said already when it comes to the individual portion of it. But then there's like this miscommunication down the middle. I, I feel like there's so many of these things that could be cleared up so easy. That it frustrates me to listen to the uh, answers sometimes, you know. All right, uh, our friend Dave Glover from our sister station, ninety-seven-one down the hall. He's celebrating twenty years in radio. I'm looking forward to bringing him on right after the break. It's overnight America KMOX News Radio eleven twenty KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. Just down the hall on our sister station, 97.1, they're getting ready to celebrate a pretty big anniversary. 20 years for the Dave Glover show. A lot of changes since then. And I guess after 20 years, does it feel like it's been 20 years? Yeah, I'll kind of give the, the classic answer, which is like when your kid turns 10, like, oh my gosh, it, it seems like so long, and yet it seems so fast. It's been, what an eventful 20 years. So when I first started, October 16th of 2000, we were just about to go into the Bush-Gore hanging Chad era. 
and then uh, 9-11, and then the uh, never-ending wars, and then Barack Obama and Donald Trump and COVID, and I'm sure any decade, any 20-year span, you look at it, no matter what it is, and say, wow, so much happened, but a lot happened on my watch so far. Yeah, no kidding. And when it hits you like that, from what I know that you were a lawyer, so approaching it from a non I guess, trained talk show hosts. So you, you could think about the people that have been in the talk industry for decades and then 9-11 hits and then maybe their news instincts kicked in or maybe that they just had some other type of um, training that would kick in. But for you, you're coming from a different world and all of these things are happening. Do you think that added to the show or do you think that took away from it at the start? No, I, I absolutely, I don't think I would have had a one-year anniversary, much less a 20-year had I had any training in this at all, because the only thing that made me attractive the first few years is that I didn't sound like anyone else because I had never had a radio class. I'd never been on the air. I'd never seen anything done like this. Um, I don't have a classic radio voice. And back then it was even an octave higher, I think, just from being so terrified all the time. And so people would be punching through. And 97.1 is a, a regular FM signal and PM drive and a top 20 market. You expect to hear a professional, but you heard me with my weird voice saying things that radio people don't usually say, whether it was just having fun or talking about 9-11, and so many people just stuck through it. Um, one of my best friends in the world is Mark Bolger, the Rams quarterback, and he loves telling the story how he discovered my show, and he would sit outside Rams Park after practice and listen to it just to hate me. He just <laughs> hated me. He hated everything about me, and he said after about a week, I made a joke that he got, and he's like, oh, wait a minute. This guy's just being stupid. And then he loved it, and we hooked up, and we became best friends. Oh, that is so cool. I'm wondering what was 97.1 before you joined the radio station. Was it a talk station at that point, or was it doing something else? No, nah, it was. So I was the the first personality on 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, before that, it was called 97.1 The Rock. And and what I think happens, although my friends at Casey get mad about this, is it was going up against Casey 95. And Casey 95 was the mothership, much like KMWX is the mothership of, of St. Louis Intercom here now. And they were giving them fits, and so they bought the signal. And as I understand it, and I do believe this, that they said, look, we need people to forget that 97.1 is even a signal. So let's let's just do something that no one's ever going to listen to. Let's put talk on the FM, and then let's just hire a guy that's never done a day uh, on radio. So it wasn't as if they were looking to fail, but they kind of didn't care if they failed. And, <laughs> and 20 years later, here we are. Because whenever you change a format, there's always those that listen to it that call and complain, and they just thought they would never like you just for the sake of you're not what they you're, they're used to. So when you go from rock to talk, I was curious: did you did was it difficult to get a fan base at first, or were there people interacting right away? Maybe people that were hanging on from the previous rock format. A little bit of both. Uh, I remember you'll love this being a radio guy. The first real ratings period that came in, once 97.1 The Rock had was gone out of the ratings, maybe four or five months in, the ratings came in. And as you know, if you have like a 5.0, it's pretty good. If you have a 10.0, you're number one. I had literally a 0.0. .0. And <laughs> my boss, Jeff Allen, said to me, now... This doesn't mean that no one's listening. And I said, Jeff, 
I'm pretty sure it does. <laughs> like, I've had statistics. <laughs> I've been to law school. I know what a 0, 0.0 is. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's literally where I started. Absolute bargain basement. No one listening. That's exactly what it means. That's exactly <laughs> what it means. <laughs> That's a tough start. Well, you've gone such a long way from there. Do you ever sit back and think, man, why does anyone listen to me? Every day. And, and you know yeah. that too. Anyone good at this job um, in the classic form of like a Letterman or a Conan or Robin Williams or guys like that, we're just big balls of insecurity and uh, mixed with this weird uh, confidence and cockiness. And so I don't beat up my office with a baseball bat the way that Letterman did after every show, but several times a day during the show, I'm thinking, why would anyone choose this? (laughs) There's so many things to do in life. Go get a swirl cone. Like, why is anyone listening to what I have to say? (laughs) All right. So who would you rather have as a guest? Uh, Donald Trump for a week. Because the president did two hours with Rush Limbaugh just last week. Yeah, I heard. Or uh, Bigfoot for one day. Oh, give me the foot. Give me, give yeah. me Bigfoot. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Ryan. Uh, I don't Ryan, know. The, the ratings would be good. <laughs> Ryan is alluding to, I am a, it, it's so funny, I'm a religious agnostic. I'm not an atheist. I'm not an activist. I'm just someone who's not convinced. Uh, yet I'm a complete believer in Bigfoot. <laughs> so figure, figure that one out. <laughs> so what do you think um, the next 20 years looks like? Do you look forward yeah, I would I would like to keep doing this. I really would. I look at guys, it's it's different. It's not an everyday show, but I look at guys like Chris Wallace who's in his 70s and Brit Hume and and Stern and people like that, Rush Limbaugh. And I mean, let's face it, we're not we're not lifting anything heavy here. And I I think I have a unique voice that sounds a little bit uh, self-congratulatory, but I am not a Donald Trump person. I'm also not a liberal. I'm sort of an angry, libertarian-leaning moderate, and there aren't very many people out there like that who actually have shows, so it feels somewhat important, and then I just have such a blast at it. I don't know what the hell I would do between 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. if I didn't do this show, but I certainly wouldn't be connecting with all these people and making them laugh and then making me laugh and sharing lives, so I'm I'm not even thinking about retirement. I'm just going full steam ahead and try to kind of reinvent myself in the show for the second 20 years. Yeah, it's weird to look forward because the industry changes so quickly that it's it's almost difficult to tell what a year from now is going to look oh, yeah. like if anything. Yeah. It's so weird. When I um when I think about radio and I think about the industry and everything that's changed over the years, I I'm always impressed by those that have the staying power. And I, if, if I look back at those that had the staying power in the St. Louis market, there's some pretty remarkable names that work for KMOX over the years, just legendary, legendary names. Now, you're one of those names. You're one of those names that get added to the St. Louis media history. Does does that ever cross your mind? It, it does, and it genuinely, you know, you hear people say things like this, if they get like a Lifetime Achievement Award or something like that, um, but it's true. It It, it is... I worked hard at this, and I obviously have some ability at it, but it's, it's really two things. P- pure dumb luck, because I walked in to take my then-girlfriend slash uh, uh, salesperson, who I was, I was buying radio, to lunch, literally walked in, 
saw Stephen D.C., Jeff Allen, uh, John Beck, and Rick Bayless talking about putting 97.1 on the air about two weeks before it went on the air. I walked by. I flipped them off because they were friends of mine. They came out. They offered me a show. Had I not gone to, to lunch that day, I don't have a show. That is pure dumb luck. And then being surrounded by people like Tom Turbrock and Katie Cruz and Pigpen and Rachel and Mark Close and all the people who throughout the 20 years have really, really been the stars of the show. Man, radio luck is amazing. I think every radio personality has some sort of radio luck story. And I don't understand. That's one of the things that does connect us all in a way, which uh, your 20th anniversary show is Friday. And I know people probably have listened to you, but maybe there's some people on this show that haven't in a long time. What's the best place for people to go, not only to find you online, but to listen to you on Friday? Yeah, so 97.1 FM Talk and then Radio.com. We are approaching... Two million podcast downloads, so we have a huge podcasting community out there. So wherever you get your podcast, you can find uh, the Dave Glover Show podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my producer, Rachel's worked her butt off, and we have like a bunch of celebrities calling in. My mom's calling in. My kids are calling in. Should be uh, a lot of fun on Friday. Well, really, congratulations to you. I mean, I, I every time I get a chance to see you, but it hasn't been as much as of late because of this all working remotely stuff company policy but whenever i get a chance to see you you're always so nice to me and it's always uh, a pleasure if i get to cross you in the hallway and it's kind of cool because then i get to tell people uh i know dave glover yeah, man, you're, you're one you're, of the you're one of the good guys and i gotta tell you my mom the other day uh i'm sure my mom is proud of me but she doesn't give compliments very easily unless it's someone other than me and the other day she said do you, do you know ryan wrecker and i'm like from KMOX. She goes, yes. Do you Have you ever met him? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, we're, we're buddies. She goes, oh, now he does a good radio show. <laughs> oh, that's great. The meaning was that's obvious. Wonderful. Yes. I think that's great. You, you know, you're one of those personalities where if you say you work for Intercom or you, here's your sister stations, you're one of those personalities people always ask, hey, is he really like that off the air? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people around you get that question. <laughs> people want to know. They always want to know because they listen to you in the show and they, they get this idea of you. But I, th I think I can say pretty positively, you're about as genuine as it gets. <laughs> it's like right across the board. Thank you. So Dave, Dave Glover, um, congratulations on 20 years. Thanks for coming on this show and uh, much, much uh, love to you on your anniversary day. Thank you, pal. Thanks, Ryan. Dave Glover joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line on Overnight America, KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. All right, so the uh, Joe Biden town hall is getting ready to wrap up here. Ah, it's getting really close to wrapping up. I think we'll duck into it in just a moment. We'll kind of get one of the last statements of the night. Uh, there was a, another moment from earlier about packing the court. Uh, I think we got time. Let me do this real quick. That's another big question because it's been brought up multiple times, and then the non-answer is obvious, obvious of what they mean by it, which is they're going to be in favor or at least not put up resistance to packing the court. This was the question that was 
process to Joe Biden during this town hall in ABC. Well, right now, it looks like they're going to have a vote around Halloween. So if they vote on it before the election regarding uh, Amy Coney Barrett in the Supreme Court. So that's looks like that she will be appointed probably in the next uh, couple weeks. If they vote on it before the election, you are open to expanding the court. I'm open to considering what happens from that point on. You know, you said so many times during the campaign, all through the course of your career, it's important to level with It the is, American but George, if I, if I say, no matter what answer I gave you, if I say it, that's the headline tomorrow. It won't be about what's going on now, the improper way they're proceeding. But don't voters have a right to know where you they stand? They do have a right to know where they stand, and they'll have a right to know where I stand before they vote. So you'll come out with a clear position before Election Day? Yes. Depending on See, this is the big difference, I think, in the way that the two candidates are treated. You have one in which George Stephanopoulos leads Joe Biden and leads him in a direction where he can say and allow himself to say the thing that he believes would be best for his campaign. They don't do that with Donald Trump, not even close. Um, so Joe Biden, they, they deserve to know, but I'm not telling They deserve to know, but I'm not telling. Depending on how they handle this. But look, what you should do is you got to make sure you vote and vote for a senator who, in fact, thinks reflects your general view on constitutional interpretation and vote for a president who think is more in line with you. And if you oppose the position that I, I would not have appointed her, but if you oppose my position, vote for Trump. Vote for a Republican who shares that view. Uh, This is so stupid. Do you understand how voting works? You normally vote for the person that shares your views on what should be done in certain situations or whatever it may be. So if you think Donald Trump would do better, then vote for Donald Trump. (laughs) So it's like, what a non-answer. Again, he's still not answering this sort of thing. And it's just kind of ridiculous that it's gone this far. Oh, no, it's important that people know where I stand, but I'm just not going to tell you. All right, looks like the town hall is just wrapping up now. Let me pop on over to ABC, and I think they're just about to do the final statement for the night. Well, this is kind of strange. Okay, so it, it's interesting. They're bringing out musical instruments. Okay, they're handing a, a microphone, and they're about to... Are they about to play music? I got hairy legs. Whoa! Hairy legs that turn blonde in the sun. I didn't see this coming. And he ran a bunch of bad boys and a bad crew. What, yeah. Yes, sir. And I really was the only white guy that really knew. He said, I'll meet you outside. And I said, what am I going to do? Corn probably can't stop. Corn probably won't stop. That's fine. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, time's up on that. Wow, that's one way to close out a town hall. How stupid is it, seriously, that the commission for the presidential debates decided that it wasn't safe for the two of them to be in the same room together to debate when it was scheduled to debate, but instead each of them are on separate networks, asked similar questions, there's a live audience, there's a moderator and everything. They just went about it, but they couldn't be in the same place together. So stupid. (laughs) Tom Sullivan joins us next to talk about some of the county questions and answers on Overnight America.